0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to Where We Are with Nina Zoporter, your breakdown of all the key events in the world from the past seven days, all in one bite-sized podcast. For today's episode, here's what happened in the world this week. NATO's relationship with Ukraine is going to be decided by uh, the 30 NATO allies and Ukraine, no one else. Uh, We cannot accept that Russia is trying to re-establish a system uh, where big powers like Russia has spheres of influence, where they can control or decide what other members uh, can Following growing tensions between Russia and Ukraine, this week, Russia's foreign ministry has laid out demands for guarantees from NATO and the US on Ukraine and said it is ready for talk as early as Saturday. Russia denies Western reports that up to 100,000 Russian troops have been assembling close to Ukraine's borders with plans to attack. However, it says if tensions are to be reduced, then NATO should scrap hopes of Ukraine or Georgia ever joining the Western Defensive Alliance. The Russian proposals are already being viewed as a non-starter by the US. But the European Union said they are ready to scale up sanctions if Russia shows further aggression. Our response to any further aggression may take the form of a robust scaling up and expansion of these existing sanctions. And of course, we are ready to take additional, unprecedented measures with serious consequences for Russia. Responding to Moscow's call for direct negotiations with the US White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki told reporters, quote, There will be no talks on European security without our European allies and partners. Deputy Foreign Minister Sergei Rybkov said Russia had been given the US and NATO two draft treaties. There was no other option, he said, as the state of relations between Russia and the collective West is a total lack of trust. In the proposal, Russia sets out a series of demands which require countries that join NATO after the fall of the Soviet Union not to deploy troops or weapons in areas where they could be seen as a threat to Russia. Heavy bombers and warships would not be allowed in areas outside their national airspace or waters from which they could launch an attack. That would mean NATO not playing any role in any of the three Baltic republics or Poland. And NATO would have to abandon plans for Ukraine and Georgia to eventually join the Western Alliance. And next Olaf Scholz has been sworn in as Germany's new Chancellor, formally taking power after Angela Merkel's historic 16 years as leader. He promised he would do all he could to work towards a new start for Germany. As she left the Chancellery in Berlin, ending a 31-year political career, Angela Merkel told her former Vice-Chancellor to approach the task with joy. His centre-left Social Democrats will govern alongside the Greens and the business-friendly Free Democrats. When I stand here today, I feel vor this gratitude and Demut. Mr Scholz steered the Social Democrats to election victory in late September, positioning himself as the continuity candidate because he played a key role in the Merkel government as Vice-Chancellor. The German parliament, known as the Bundestag, backed him as Chancellor by 395 votes to 303, and he was then formally appointed as the ninth federal chancellor by President Frank-Walter Steinmeier. Although his centre-left Social Democratic Party SDP, hasn't been in power since the mid-2000s, many saw him as a continuity candidate to replace Ms Merkel after she announced she wouldn't run for the fifth term. After the vote in parliament, he was asked by the Bundestag president, Barbel Bass whether he accepted the appointment and said yes. He later took the oath of office, but unlike his predecessor, left out the religious reference So help me God. Since the election, Mr Scholl's party has worked with the Greens and the Free Democrats on a coalition deal, which was finally signed on Tuesday. All 16 ministers took the oath of office on Wednesday, becoming Germany's first cabinet to include as many women as men. We'll be back with a third story from the world this week after this short break if you guys love this show i've got something else that you're going to love the late john lewis famously said democracy is not a state it is an act and each generation must do its part Today, populism, extremism and disinformation are short-circuiting our democratic institutions and the consequences are dire. So what can you do about it? Join historian Will Hitchcock and media scholar Siva Vadianathan on their podcast, Democracy in Danger. Each week, they speak with brilliant minds and untangle the many threats the US and the world are facing. Find Democracy in Danger on your podcast app or visit dindanger.org. That's d-i-n-d-a-n-g-e-r.org or just look up Democracy in Danger wherever you get your podcasts. You have to change the way you eat. And I know that most people don't want to hear that. You know, voters don't want to hear that, which is why politicians, this is the third rail You know, No politician will touch this. Um, But it's also just a fact. A new report has claimed that as many as 75,000 people in China are dying prematurely each year from air pollution caused by the country's increasing meat consumption. Global increases in meat production over the past 50 years are most pronounced in East Asia, and particularly China, according to the paper published in Nature Food. The researchers found that meat production in China soared 433% between 1980 and 2010 from 15 to 80 megatons, and ammonia emissions from things like fertilizer and manure almost doubled. Living in Beijing was equated to living in an airport smoking lounge. People were dying at the rate of 4,000 a day. When a small proportion of that surge was driven by a growing population, they found the majority of those increases were down to changing diets and, in particular, more meat-eating. Professor Xiao Yu Yan, professor in sustainable energy systems at Exeter University, said a top priority of China in the 1980s was to satisfy people's basic food demand. He continued saying, but now as the problem of undernourishment has substantially decreased, a more sustainable path for production and consumption of food is urgently needed. So, you're all caught up. That's where we are in the world this week. Be sure to listen next week to stay up to date on the latest news around the world search where we are with nina porter on all podcast platforms and subscribe today to get new episodes first step into the world of power loyalty and luck i'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis